You know that in many times, I mean, in many situations in our life, for some way of another, or another, uh, we intend to select some things that are good for us, and sometimes intentionally or non-intentionally, we intend, our memory intends to not remember some things that are going to be painful for us. That happens with everyone. Uh, you probably don't remember some stuff in your life that happened that is painful and you try really hard. Myself, my memory is not really good. And you probably noticed that by now. Because some people are probably saying, Pastor, if you remember I told you this, yes, you did. Sometimes my memory is not such a good thing with names. Names are not good for me. Uh, I can remember probably Hispanic, I mean, Hispanic names is easy, you know, Carlos, Jose, Pancho, Cirilo, I mean, all of those names, I mean, which are weird names sometimes. But in, I mean, in English, sometimes those names are hard for me to remember. Those are hard things to remember. And nothing to do with the person, it's just my memory is not good with names. But we remember sometimes good things in our lives, and sometimes we don't remember good things. So I want you to open our Bibles, your Bible, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. We are going to study this, this parable, which I hope is, is going to be very uh, interesting. For me, it was an interesting parable, and you know this parable, I'm sure. Verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And I'm going to, I'm not going to count how much it is 70 times seven times. I'm not going to tell you how much, you know, it is all that amount. We usually go that way. To some point, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to ignore these two verses right now. And I'm going to tell you only a couple things about those two verses. First of all, Peter was asking for seven times, even so that the rules, the, the, the law of the Jews and all of them, they know that they can only forget someone up to three times. So he was going, I mean, he was being very liberal about it. Hey, Jesus, can I forget seven times? That's more than three times. But Jesus answered with more than that. He didn't answer with seven is good. I mean, you're going more than half. If it's three, you go double of that at six. You're going a little bit more. That's seven. That's good. He's going with more than that. Now, I also want to try to bring something to you. If you have your Bible open, you are going to realize that the, 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 if I read this, how, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? The same kind of wording you will also find in verse number 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. And then so, so what's happening after that? Why am I trying to tell you that? Why am I bringing that to you? First of all, I want to tell you that this, this verse, number 21, all the way to the 28, you are going to find that this is only the continuation of a conversation of Jesus Christ having with his disciples. And at that moment, 
he is talking about forgiveness. When you read the part that says, my brother, when he sins against me, it means someone doing something to you in a personal way. It's like me going with Jim and saying, Jim, I hate you because you, let's just create something because you're a nice person. I don't know what to, what to create. Because you don't comb your hair the same way that I do. I mean, look your hair. It's like all like a spike like that a little bit. And mine have this beautiful thing and it has some black and, you know, and gray. And just, I don't like you because you keep doing that. I keep telling you to church, you don't come like that. Oh, whatever, you know, you make it personal. And here we have Jim saying, hey, what's wrong with you? Why do you take it personal on me? This story and this parable is going to be the continuation of only of the section before that, which is verse number 15. Now, am I, the reason why am I saying that? Is because we get confused sometimes. Some people think that using this story and using this parable and this section of the Bible can be used almost for anything. But it's not so. It's not like that. You cannot use this parable and this whole section of the Bible, starting in verse 15, for anything. It has a purpose. And the purpose is the issues that you probably have with somebody else in your life. Nothing else other than that. Knowing that, then I'm going to repeat the same two verses and, 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 and I'm going to keep moving to the parable. Then, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And then verse number 23, he starts with a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he starts by saying, giving an example of a kingdom, and more than that, the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus Christ talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking, first of all, about the church. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven that is supposed to be here when he came bringing the good news that is supposed to be here even after he left, the kingdom of heaven. And he used that, when they use the word heaven, means, wow, this is it. This is something huge. So he used an example, a parable based on that. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his all he had be sold to repay the debt. All right. Remember the last time, last Sabbath, when we talk about also amounts of money and we talk about uh, uh, how much is this? And I mean, well, I told you that we are not, I don't want you to get into the idea that every time you see things like talents, you have to go and try to convert that into dollars. And many Bibles, including mine, the NIV here, at the end, they do the same thing. Verse number 24 at the bottom says, 
That is millions of dollars. Because everybody does the same thing. But what we did the last time is what is going to help us to understand this passage better. It's not about how much you really own to this person, but it's how long it's going to take you to pay that. It's about how long in your lifetime it's going to take you to resolve an issue. For that, yes, we need to convert this a little bit. First of all, talents is, the same, is, is like having one talent is like having 6,000 how do you call that? that? Let me read it here in the Bible. Denarius. Thank you. Thank you. It's like having 6,000 denarius. One talent. And one denarius is only the amount that you pay to a person. We said that last Sabbath. To what? For one day of what? So one talent is 6,000 denarius. That's like one day per each denarius. That means... Is 6,000 days. But the Bible is not mentioning that he owns only one talent. It says 10,000 talents. How many of you are good with math here? And I want you to multiply that. Anybody? Get your phones or whatever you have. More than a million. But let's see. Just, just take. Do you have a. Anybody? And I want you to realize, because if one talent means 6,000 days of work, let me do this again. The formula is this. Multiply 6,000 times 10,000. Is that correct? How much is that? 60, 36 million. You guys are so good. I can trust in my church that they can give me good numbers. Six million. Do I make my, I shouldn't make this, oh, somebody's showing me the phone. Okay, let's go by her number. What's the number you have there? Sixty million. Sixty million denarius, that means sixty million what? Days. That's more than a lifetime. I live only 75 days, I mean 75 years, 85 years, whatever you want. My grandpa died when he was 94, and we are talking about that many amounts of days. Now, you're talking how many? That's 60 million days. Can you divide that by 360 days? It's going to be, give you how many years? Or oh, 365, yeah. 166,000, whatever it is, years after that. How many of you do you think are going to live that long? Now, this person who we don't know the name, and that's why I want you to get that. If we don't get that part, we miss the whole thing, and we only see how much he owns. But it's not about that. It's how long it's going to take for him to pay something that he's not going to be able to pay. To the point that the king, he realizes that this man is not going to be able to pay something like that. So at the end, 
you know, when he began seven, since he was not be able to pay, verse number 25, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all of that he had be sold to repay the debt. Even so, do you think he's going to be able to pay everything? No. All the kids can work, the whole family, all the compadres and the comadres can work, and he's not going to be able to pay the debt. Keep that in mind. Because after that, verse 26, after the king had forgiven all of his debt, the servant fell, so, sorry, after he knows that, 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 I mean, he is going to be selling him, the wife, the kids, and everything, the servant fell on his knees before him, be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. Is that possible? It's not possible. It is totally impossible. He was asking for something that he will not be able to pay. And after that, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. I don't remember if I mentioned this last Sabbath, but it's like you owning a new house. I mean, how many thousands of dollars? The bank saying, since that the economy is bad and we know everybody's suffering, Everybody don't own anything in those houses. The houses are yours. No more debt. Even so, many of you will probably be happy by saying, why, I don't, I mean, all the bills that I have, no more bills. That's it. Everything is clear. We start from zero. <gasps> he was begging. He was begging when he realized how deep in trouble he was, how much money he owned, and he couldn't make it. He was begging. How do you beg? He was saying, you know, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor, and I own that much. I'm king, you know, look at me. Come on, can you please forgive my debt? He was begging. How do you beg? Why do you beg? How do you beg? Any idea? Go ahead. Forgive me, forgive me. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's good. I know you, you, you can't, you know, you don't want to go all the way to, but hey, and that looks too nice, absolutely. How do you beg? Ron, can you beg for me? Uh, can you beg? It's Almost, we cannot even give the idea of begging right now because we're thinking, come on, pastor, this is yours. Not, not me. I'm not going to beg, pastor, come on. But I want you to think he was begging. Imers, can you beg for me? <laughs> you should ask the kids they are begging to me. He was begging. He was asking. He was screaming. He was down on the ground. He was saying, hey, hey, Please, be patient with me. I know you're tired. Your patience is gone, and now you're going to throw me. You're going to sell me, my family, and everything else. Please, please, don't do that. Please. When it was the last time you begged to God? When it was the last time somebody begged to you for forgiveness? He was begging, says the Bible. And because he was begging... The master took pity and said, I'm going to cancel all the debt and let him go. But the story doesn't stop there. But when that servant went out, 
he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and begged and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, can you picture that? This man is leaving the presence of the king who has forgiven everything. He couldn't pay it and he said, forget it, you're clean. And the first person he finds, one of his fellow servants. Do you read that? He grabbed him and began to choke him. Did he ask, pay me first? Or he just went and choked him? He didn't even have any sense of, I'm going to have some decency here. I'm going to ask Jim the way he deserves. Hey, you know what? You owe me money. He just go straight and choke him. Back what you owe me. And the fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay you back. Now, if you change the amount of that money that he owned into days of work, it's about three months of work. Three months. I mean, it's easy for me to say, Wally, you owe me money. Okay, well, three months, you can work. Well, forget it. You know, don't worry. You know, I don't want you to work. Just take care of your family and your life. But he didn't really care. Three months of work. And he was killing him. And I'm going to stop there because now it's time to think about what God is trying, what Jesus is trying to say. The only one who has the power to forgive such a big amount without any, any history of without saying, I'm going to remember how much you used to own, is is the king right there in the story. And he said, you know what? You are clean. He was the one who had the power to do whatever he wants with the servant. With the, with the servant. Even so, he forgives the servant. But the servant, who is equal to the other servant, he acts as he is the king. And he doesn't give any, he doesn't have any compassion and no forgiveness for his fellow servant. Like saying, for his fellow brother, for his fellow sister. No compassion. And the reason why I'm saying that, and on top of that, I make you realize how long it takes for that person to pay. Is because that's the way sometimes how human beings treat forgiveness. If it's something that you hurt me, I'm going to keep it as long as I can. And it's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to make me change my mind so I can forgive you. So I'm going to keep it. And we think we are the king in this story, that we can keep it. Yes, it's nothing, but I can do something for you. No, that is not going to change. But you did this thing for No, but you did this, but you're my wife, or you're my husband, or you're my brother. 
No, it's nothing. I'm going to keep it and I'm going to just strangle it a little bit more. So you feel the pain for a long time. Do you ever been in a place like that? And what Jesus Christ is giving us with this example so far is that you are not a king. And if you think you are the king, you forgive. And you allow the person who owns you the, uh, the apology. You allow that person to leave your presence just like the king. Free of any debt. Like saying, I forgive you. Just go. Everything is behind. But what happened is, this example is used for, by Jesus Christ to make us see how much he has forgiven us and how wicked sometimes we are that we manipulate things in such a way that we go around our brothers and sisters or our family members, for, I mean, not even forgiving them for something smaller of what we did to God. Whatever you think somebody else did for you or did, sorry, against you, is nothing compared of what you have done to God. Whatever somebody else did to you is nothing compared to whatever you and I have done to Christ. And because it's not even compared, and whatever somebody else did to you is smaller than what you did to God, and God even so have forgive you. It's time for you to move on and forgive everybody else. That's the reality. The story says that when these, I mean, the, this fellow servant, you know, he was begging also the same way he was probably begging to the king, but he was choking him, but he refused to forgive. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, going to jail. I'm going to keep you there until you... Until you pay what you owe me, I'm going to keep you there. And you're going to suffer in that jail. That's what you deserve. Because you owe me. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Is that gossiping? I don't know. But that's good gossiping, I guess. They all go running, king, king, excuse me, king, sorry, excuse me, king, I have something to tell you, what is it? And they said, I mean, they told the whole story. The king, according to the, uh, to the, to the story of the master, the master called the servant in, and he called him wicked servant. The translation for wicked is not a wicked, sounds beautiful. The translation in Greek for that wicked word is not wicked. You are a demon. You are a devil. You have something evil in your mind. What's wrong with you? Now, church, I want you to realize something. 
I mean, how would you like for God to call you evil? How would you like for someone to call you evil? Don't you probably get mad, you know, if I call you evil? Bah! Who do you think you are? Evil. Bah! I deserve that. Why do I call you evil? But God is calling this person evil. How many of you think you are evil? The only time I think we are evil so every time, you know, I try to think evil, the first thing that comes to my mind is those scary movies and the evil thing. <laughs> Even I know pastors that they have an evil laugh. And they do. I mean, you know, sometimes you go outside and you say, who is that laughing? And it's the pastor. <laughs> like, oh, pastor, it's you. Oh, yeah, it was, that's my laugh. But God is not talking about your laugh. God is not talking about how you look. He's talking about the actions that you're doing. And he's saying, you evil servant. He said, I cancel all the death of you because you beg me. I cancel all because you beg me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Shouldn't you be and me doing the same thing? Says that God is doing the same thing with me and you? This is a strong parable. The Bible keeps saying, verse 34, In anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now I'm going to tell you, I was thinking, why is he going to be tortured? What is the whole point of being tortured? You know what? They used to torture people back then when they sent them to jail and owe money because they were thinking. And the idea was that sometimes or many times you hide possessions from everybody else so you don't have to pay anything. So the only way to get it out of you was to torture you. I'm going to do something so you can shop, you can at least say, okay, okay, yes, I do have these possessions Take it over. I don't want to have anything else. He was being tortured. But the story ends not in 34, but in verse 35. And I even put in a bigger letters, font. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you Unless, unless you forgive your brother from what? From what? From your heart. I don't know how you feel about it, brother and sister. I just don't know how you feel about it. But for me, that's a scary. God is talking to you and me, and he's saying, this is how I will treat you unless you forget your brother, you forgive your brother from your heart, not from your mouth, not from the actions, okay, you know, I'm going to be nice with that person, not from your mind, oh, I know I can manage to forgive, and I can manage to select 
what I'm going to forgive from your heart. And the only one who can work in that heart, who is that person? Jesus is the only one who can work in that heart. You can be logical about it. You can be thinking, but that doesn't make any sense. They did this and this and this doesn't make any sense. You can be logical, that's mine. You can be saying anything, but from the heart. If you make it work, if you forgive someone from the heart, and as long as Christ is there, you are going to make it and it's going to happen. Brothers, I have a heart, and my heart sometimes is hard as a rock when somebody does something to me. I have a heart, and my heart sometimes is so hard. I probably need a chisel to mold that. Probably Christ needs a chisel to mold that heart. And remember, I'm talking about your heart. I'm not talking about what you think. But I'm going to tell you, if Christ needs to use a chisel to mold my heart, let it be. It's going to be painful. But let it be. Because if something is going to separate me from the love of Christ, if something is going to separate me from being saved and live the eternity with the one who loves me so much and give his life for me on the cross, if something is going to separate me as not being able to forgive someone, I prefer for him to mold my heart. Think out, think out, think, think out. I prefer for him to make me all that damage, to make me feel the pain. But at the end, be the person he wants me to be. And it's time, brothers. It's time. Because maybe you have something that nobody else knows against someone in this church. Maybe you have something about somebody else and your family. Maybe you as couples, you have something each other and one sits here, the other one there. Or maybe against your kids and the kids sit there and the parents over there. I don't know what it is because I am not God and I cannot read your mind. But I know one thing. You need to forgive. If you want to move on in life, if you want Christ to do the work that he's willing to do in your life, you need to forgive. And like a good father, he knows it's painful. He doesn't want to call you evil, wicked. He doesn't want to throw you into jail and torture you so he can get it out from you. He wants for you to think, listen, let the Holy Spirit work and react to something. And ye, if you are listening to me today, and if I get in through and the Holy Spirit is getting through, please, brother, 
or sister. Let the word of God be done in you. You are the only one who knows. You are the only one who knows what's going on in your life. Let the work of God be done in your life. He is willing to do it. He is willing to do it. You know, for any pastor, this will be a perfect moment. Many pastors will say, this is time to make a call and bring everybody up front. But many pastors will love that. But it's not about you in front of everybody making you feel bad. It's about you in front of God making you think. So I want to give you a chance to talk to the Lord. Talk to God. Talk to him. He's the one that brought up this story. And it's in the Bible. And Jesus is the one who shared this story with his disciples. I want you to talk to him. So I'm going to allow you time to do so. Pray. Pray right now. And ask for the Holy Spirit to help us all. All. Not only you. All. Ask for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And help you make the decision to forgive whoever you have in mind to forgive that person and you feel that you have to stand after church and go to that person and talk to that person, do it. But don't hesitate. But that's all you and God. So I'm going to allow you to talk to him during these moments. And I'm going to finish with a prayer. Ready? Don't look at me now. Close your eyes and talk to God.
Heavenly Father, you have heard each one of the prayers. Like always, I feel so small and I don't understand how you do it. But I know you know each one of my brothers and sisters. We realize that sometimes we can be harsh, hard, and wicked. Sometimes we can prolong the pain of somebody else by holding on to what they deserve, we say. But at this moment, I want to ask for the Holy Spirit to be moving in this church and at this moment to not let the person who is, struggling, who is struggling with forgiveness, to not let that person go and leave this place without knowing and feeling that the Holy Spirit is calling to forgive, to move on, to heal. And I don't know everyone here what they are going through in their lives. I don't know what are the situations. You know what they are going through. I'm going to ask you for you to intervene. And if it's going to be painful for each one of us, let it be, O oh Lord. Because your church needs to be a family, as we call it. Your church needs to believe, practice, and preach that the same way you have forgiven us, we are going to forgive to each other. Thank you because you forgive all of our sins. Thank you because you listen to our prayers. Thank you because you never stop calling us. Thank you for the opportunity we have right now to make an important decision in our lives. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.